Good morning, everybody. How you all doing? Don't sound very sure about it. How's everyone doing? We okay? We're good? Um, can I have the little clicky thing? I've never used this before. But this should help make everyone's lives easier or, you know, make it more fun for everyone at least. Um, okay. Today... I'm continuing with the series we're doing, looking at some of the main characters in the biblical story. That is the whole thing from Genesis to Revelation. And we've picked out some key people who help tell the big story. Um, And the one that I've got today is Mary. Which Mary, I hear you ask, because that's what everyone who I've told us has asked. So more specifically, Jesus' Jesus' mummy, Mary. That one. Not one of the other Marys. I know there's loads. Um, But we've got this one today. Um, Mary, Jesus' mum. And I have to say, when I was first given Mary, I was... um, I wasn't quite sure how I would find very much to say about her. Uh, to me, she's always felt like a slightly one-dimensional character. She's sort of, she's Jesus' mum, she has a baby, and then she's kind of just, she's there when he's born, and she's there when he dies, and we don't know much more about her. Um, but actually, you'll be glad to know, because otherwise, well, maybe not, because otherwise that could have been the talk, and we could have all gone and had coffee. <laughs> um, actually, hopefully, you'll be glad to hear that over the last few weeks and months that I've been thinking about Mary and reading about Mary and trying to get to know her a bit. Um, She's actually, I feel like she's one of my friends now. I feel like I really love her. She's one of those, like, I feel like if I saw her, I just want to grab her and bite her face or something, you know, in a a nice way, not in a horrible way. But you know those people who you just feel like, oh, I want to squeeze you so hard. Um, That's how I feel about Mary now. So, um, a bit of fangirling here from the front. I love Mary. She's fab. Um, she was just totally filled with faith in God. And I look at her and I think, oh yeah, I'd like to be a little bit like her. Um, so Mary, let's have a little game because that'd be fun. What do we know about Mary? Anything. You can shout out to me. Let's go. What do we know? She came from David's line. She was a teenager at some point, definitely. She was a baby at some point. Thank you very much. Anything else? Anything we know? She had a cousin called Elizabeth. She, she was a worshipper. She got engaged to... Well done. Josh? She was the first woman to get pregnant without having sex. Thank you. Um, Henry said something and then I missed it. She met an angel. Okay. We're doing well. So far we've made it to about Luke 1. Um, having started in Luke 1. So let's see if we can get any further into the Bible. Joe, She lost her son. Twice, actually. Um, once temporarily and then again a bit more permanently, although not because he came back, spoiler alert. Um, um, She had some other children. Chris? She was a refugee, thank you. 
What else do we know? She went to live with John after Jesus died. She rode on a donkey. She was there when Jesus did his first miracle, water into wine. Very good. Oh, we're getting there. We're getting there. Anything else we know? People should be like rifling through the Gospels trying to find any, any sign of Mary. She treasured things in her heart. Yes. Yeah, Simeon. When Simeon met her in the temple, he said a sword would pierce her heart. We're going to look at that as well. Good. She praised God when she was pregnant, which is good because sometimes that's hard to do. Chris? Yeah, she, she watched her son die and she went through that and she, she was there. We know she was there at the crucifixion. Yeah, there's a moment we read in, um, it's in Mark, where she and her and some of her other sons are there when Jesus is teaching. Um, and there's some sort of conversation that goes along the lines of, your mum's here. And he's like, sorry, busy. Um, I paraphrase a lot. But um, we know that they were there then. Um, Alison? She was in the upper room with the disciples. I think we've now covered pretty much every mention of Mary we have in the Bible, um, apart from all the references in Isaiah and other places and the prophets. So let's have a little look. So she's betrothed to Joseph, and then there's the Annunciation. There's this big moment where the angel appears, and she's like, what's going on? And the angel says, you're going to have a baby, and it's going to be God's son, and... We'll look a little bit more at that. We're not just, we're going to steam through and then we're going to have a little look. Um, There's this visit to her cousin Elizabeth that she does just after that. Um, Jesus is born. We all know that story, hopefully. Covered that in December. Jesus then gets dedicated at the temple. Um, That happens, we think, probably about 40 days after he was born because normally that's when it would happen. Um, then she and Joseph and Jesus all go into exile in Egypt for a couple of years. Um, so there's been quite a lot of sitting on donkeys by now. Um, maybe a camel in Egypt, I don't know. Um, Jesus goes missing in Jerusalem. This is the next time we pick up the story. This is when Jesus is 12. So we've kind of gone from Jesus as a baby to he's a 12-year-old who disappears and his mum is frantic trying to find him. Then we skip forward a bit further to to the wedding at Cana, where Jesus is 30, and Mary is there encouraging Jesus as he performs his first miracle, um, and some might argue his best miracle, turning water into wine. Um, And then she's around during some of Jesus' ministry, because we know about that story where she and some of Jesus' brothers turn up. Um, she's there when he's crucified, and then she's there in the upper room after he's died and gone back to heaven. So he's died, he's come back to life, he's gone back to heaven, and then Mary is still there with the disciples in the upper room praying. Okay, so Mary actually has stuck through with this for quite a long time. Um, what don't we know? Here we go. 
Here's a bunch of stuff we don't really know in red. We don't know what happens in those kind of 10, 12 years where Jesus is growing up. We don't really know very much, apart from that he gets lost in Jerusalem, we don't know anything else until that first miracle in Cana. Um, And we don't know what Mary was doing after the upper room. Um, Lots of the people who were in that room ended up involved in the leadership of the early church. Um, We don't know, but my, my hunch, what I'd really like, is that Mary might have been involved in the leadership of the early church. Because there weren't many people who knew Jesus much better. No one else wiped Jesus' bum, as far as we're aware. Uh, maybe his dad, I don't know. But possibly. We don't know. It's not in the Bible. That's just my little guess. Um, so we know a bit about Mary. We can't, today, take time to read our way through all of these different scriptures um, because otherwise we'll never get our coffee and cake. But trust me when I tell you that she turns up in all of these. And the story that we start to see is Mary, who when she's betrothed, um, biblical scholars think she could have been as young as 12 when she was betrothed to Joseph. Um, Anything, 12, 13, 14. Um, She's a really young teenager, And then there's this enormous moment in her life where an angel says, you are highly favored and you are going to have a baby. He's going to be God's son and his name's going to be Jesus. Oh, and by the way, through him, every nation is going to be blessed. Um, That is... A lot to take on at any time, but particularly when you are, what, 13, 14 years old, is, is quite a big deal. And then Mary continues on this journey, having said, okay, pretty much. Um, she continues on this journey and finds herself traveling alongside her son, as he walks through his ministry and she has a front row seat at this incredible moment of his death and his resurrection. And um, we don't know, but again, biblical scholars think that she lived a few years after that moment in the upper room. She was probably there at Pentecost and witnessed the Holy Spirit falling, and she was probably involved in the early church. And she, through this entire time, that faith, that tiny seed that at the moment when she was 13 years old and faced with an angel saying she'd have God's son, that tiny seed of faith that went, um, okay is what grew in her and saw her through this entire journey. Do you see what I mean? She's cool. I just want to squeeze her. Um, Okay, so let's just zoom out for a minute. Look at the really big picture. Um, 
few weeks ago, Dad looked at Jesus across the entire Bible and um, somehow managed to cover 66 books in 66 hours or something like that. No, it wasn't. It wasn't even 60 minutes. It was impressive. Um, But actually, not only does Jesus get a mention, but Mary is a really key character in this big biblical kind of arcing story. I don't know how visual you want to be about it, but for me it's kind of like a really big picture. That was going to be a better word. I couldn't come up with one, so uh, here we go. The big picture. Genesis. In Genesis 3.15, there's this moment when Adam and Eve have messed up God's having to kick them out of the garden and he is having words with the enemy. Um, And he says to the enemy, he says, I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and hers. He will crush your head and you will strike his heel. Who's he talking about? He's talking about Jesus. Okay, back in Genesis... God is talking to the enemy and he's saying, I'm going to put enmity between you and the woman. Now the woman he's referencing is Eve, but he's also referencing women. Okay, And one particular woman, Mary, who thousands of years later is going to have a baby who is going to be the most incredible baby that will finally, once and for all, crush the enemy's head. Um, God knew about this in Genesis, and he wrote about it in Genesis. Um, And then we see it happen in the Gospels. Um, We're going to get to that one in a minute. Also, just as a little aside, um, Revelation, which everyone will agree is a really weird and confusing book to read, um, in... When you read it and you kind of go, okay, God, what are you saying about all of this stuff? There's lots of pictures in there, but one of the pictures in Revelation 12, so we've skipped right from the beginning of the Bible all the way to the end of the Bible. In Revelation 12, there's this mention of a woman, okay? We don't know who it is, and you can read lots of people who will tell you lots of different women that that might represent, but it talks about a woman who has a child... And the child kicks the enemy's backside. Okay? So, we can agree that at least that imagery, if nothing else, also represents Mary. So, she pops up at the beginning. She pops up at the end. Um, And as we look through the big picture of the Bible, there are a few little moments where we see people who remind us a little bit of Mary, or Mary reminds us a little bit of other people's stories. And one that really stuck out to me, because I've been reading a lot about Hannah recently. Hannah turns up in Samuel. She's Samuel's mummy. Um, And in one Samuel, uh, the story goes, Hannah really wanted a baby. She couldn't have a baby. She went to the temple and she prayed to God and she's weeping in the temple because she is desperate to have a child. Um, the priest comes over and says, you know, are you drunk? She's like, no. Um, he says, whatever it is you're praying for, God's going to give it to you. And Mary, um, Hannah 
says to God, if you give me a son, I'll give him back to you and he will serve you here in your presence. Um, The next year, Hannah's had a baby. And Hannah sings this beautiful song. It's in 1 Samuel 2. If you want to, you can find it or you can just find it later. And the song that she sings says, God, you have lifted up the humble and you throw down the proud. You have looked at your servant and you have found favor. And I praise you. Okay, again, I paraphrase a little bit, but those are the key points. And then there's this beautiful song that Mary sings. It's in Luke. It's Luke 46 to 55. Again, if you want to find it, you can do. If you've got a phone Bible, then it's way easier because you can just like, you don't have to flick through all the pages. Um, And the Magnificat, which is Mary's song, it's the fancy word we use for Mary's song. Not sure why we use it. Someone probably knows. Um, Actually, that song also says, God, I praise you because you have taken your humble servant and you have lifted the humble and you, t- you cast the prideful down. It's not exactly the same song, but there are some real close similarities. Um, and then it got me thinking about more mothers whose babies were announced by angels. Um, and they're actually really important. Look, Sarah, Isaac's mum, Isaac who is going to be Abraham's firstborn and start off the nation of Israel. Hello, angel came. Um, Samson, his mummy, really desperately wants a son and an angel turns up and says, you're going to have a son. He's going to be really special. And he is, he's Samson and he's the super strong one who killed all of the um, Philistines, I think. Um, And then Elizabeth, Mary's cousin, Her baby is also announced by an angel, and her baby is John, i.e. John the Baptist, the one who came before Jesus, and he was also special. And all of these are ladies who, in fact, all three of these ladies who desperately wanted a baby, and they couldn't have a baby, and then God gave them a child who had this incredible plan and a promise on their life. Um, and that idea of promise is quite important. So uh, hold on to that word. Just keep it in there for a, in a minute or two. So big picture, Mary's super amazing and we love her. Little picture, let's look at, let's look at the humans in this story. Mary often, to me, felt like quite a one-dimensional character until I started to get to know her and I really started to think about her life and how she kind of reacted, the situation she found herself in and what God was doing through her. So we're just going to pick out a few moments in her life that I think really show us something incredible about who she was and also something about who God is and what that means for us. Um, So we get this first one. This is in Luke 1. Um, I'm actually going to open, it's, well, a Bible app. You can believe me. Trust me. It is actually the Bible. I'm not just checking Instagram. Okay. Um, In Luke 1, 
the angel turns up. Um, I'm in around verse 26 here. Um, And the angel, 28, he says, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. And Mary asks, how will this be? Um, and there's a moment here when, as I was reading this again, I was, I was trying to put myself in Mary's shoes and thinking, okay, angel tells me I'm going to have a son. I know I'm going to get married pretty soon. So I can be like, oh, great, when I get married, we're going to have a son and he's going to be really special. And I've heard about some other sons in the past who were very special. And isn't that wonderful? But Mary doesn't do that. She doesn't do that automatic like, oh, well, I'll marry Joseph and then in due course we'll have a son and we'll call him Jesus and now I know what his name will be. So that's like a thing ticked off my to-do list. She doesn't. She like immediately goes to, I can't have a son. I'm still a virgin. And I'm like, wow. Um, That's not how logically I would have figured it out. But that's that's the question she asks. Um, And the angel answers in 35 the holy spirit will come on you and the power of the most high will overshadow you so the holy one to be born will be called the son of god Um, and then he says even elizabeth your relative is going to have a child in her old age and she who was unable to conceive is in her sixth month for no word from god will ever fail and then mary says i am the lord's servant may your word to me be fulfilled um, there's, this, there's this moment where Mary is just told something so incredibly outrageous. How, how does she take that and just go, okay. How, how? How does she do? I don't know how she does that, except that she just knows. She must know inside herself by the Holy Spirit that this is God's plan. Because otherwise, you would just think you were barking. You would just think that you'd had some sort of episode or a dream or something. Um, And in that moment, Mary says, okay, I'm the Lord's servant. Um, What I've wondered about her is whether the next day she does kind of think it's a weird dream. And whether she has a few weeks of thinking, gosh, that was a strange, bizarre dream I had. I wonder how many other people have had the strange angel announces the son of God dream. Um, And then as physically her body starts to tell her that there's something going on. I don't know. I don't know. Just imagine, just put yourself in her situation how and and when and and at what point does she kind of go oh no definitely wasn't a dream definitely pregnant I mean was it the point at which she's like six months and out here and or is it somewhere in between she actually she has this moment and I think I love that God does this 
When God gives you a totally crazy thing to go and do, he usually gives you a wingman or a wingwoman. Um, And God says to her, the angel says, your cousin Elizabeth is pregnant. Remember the one that couldn't get pregnant? She's pregnant. And so the first thing Mary does, and again, I don't know what the timeline is. I don't know if it was the next day she jumps on a donkey and travels off to Judah, or whether it's a few weeks later or a few months later. But I reckon it's pretty soon afterwards. She jumps on a donkey. She goes to see her cousin Elizabeth. And there's this brilliant moment. Seeing the cousin Elizabeth will hopefully confirm to her whether or not the angel was a dream or whether it was real life. Um, And Mary turns up. And in verse 41, we're still in Luke 1 here, but verse 41, when Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leapt in her womb and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. And in a loud voice, she exclaimed, blessed are you among women and blessed is the child you bear. But why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord should come to me? How bonkers is that? I mean, if, if it weren't confirmed already, if Mary were confused and thought it might be a dream, the fact that the Holy Spirit fills up her cousin, who they haven't been in contact, Mary just turns up, and the first thing her cousin says to her is, you've got God in there, kind of. Um, I mean, that, well, that does confirm it, doesn't it? And it's at that point that Mary then is just totally filled with joy, and this song comes bursting out, and... Yeah, amazing. But can you just imagine the emotional journey that Mary has been on to get from from the point where she's like in shock and terrified and doesn't really know what's happening to a point where she is singing a song in joy over this just crazy, amazing miracle. Um, that's one thing I love about Mary. And I love, I love that she's got Elizabeth on her side. You've got to have somebody. There's that story, it's in the Old Testament, it's Jonathan, he's climbing up a, up a hill to go and check what's going on with the, they're in a battle, they're about to have a battle, they're camped on one side, the bad guys are on the other side. Jonathan is going to climb up and he, and he says, he like, he's looking around for somebody and he says to his armour bearer, should we just climb up and go and see what's going on? And it's his armour bearer who goes, come on then. You've got to have someone on your side, you've got to have somebody who says, Come on then, I'm with you. And for Mary, the first person she's got on side is Elizabeth. Um, Okay, next up, the scandal. Now, I'm really interested. Another part of this story that we don't know anything about is what did Mary's mum say? I mean, seriously, or her dad. Um... We know that at some point, an angel comes to tell Joseph that Mary is pregnant with the Son of God. But that doesn't actually happen until after Joseph has decided to divorce Mary. If you look at the timeline, there must be a moment when Joseph knows that Mary is pregnant and doesn't know that it is a miracle by God. And so his assumption, along with 
everybody else who she sees apart from Elizabeth, his assumption is going to be that she has been playing around. Okay? Um, And in Jewish culture, it is well and truly against the law to be sleeping with somebody who is not your husband. And to get pregnant pretty much is like a death sentence, actually. And we know of a story later on when Jesus is an adult and he's faced with a woman who's been caught in adultery and people are getting ready to throw rocks at her to kill her because she got caught with someone who was not her husband. Um, And Mary is actually in this position. Um, There is this, it's going to be an unbelievable scandal around this because they don't live in a big town and there's probably not loads to talk about. Um, And somehow, Mary has to live through this perceived shame and misunderstanding, and I don't know if her mum and dad ever believed her. We don't know. Let's hope that they did. But it is possible, it is entirely possible, that everybody else in town thought that Joseph married Mary. He knew it was because he'd had a dream, and the angel told him, it's God's son, hope you're all right with that. Um, But as far as everyone else is concerned, Joseph married Mary out of pity or out of not wanting her to be ashamed or maybe it was his baby. But they weren't married. Um, They live in that town as Jesus is growing up. After they get back from Egypt, that's where they're living. Jesus grows up in a town where pretty much everybody thinks his mum cheated on his dad. That's a pretty tough place to grow up, actually. It would have been very tempting for him to want to maybe defend his mother, or I don't know. But I don't know, if you've never thought of that, it's an interesting, interesting thought. Right, we're going to look at um, Mary's treasures. There's a couple of times, it's just so beautiful. Mary is... She's just had the baby, the shepherds come, they're like, woohoo, we saw some angels. And what we read about Mary is that she treasures that in her heart. She treasures these moments in her heart. A bit later, she's in the temple and they're dedicating Jesus, they're sacrificing, and then there's two people come up to them. There's this guy, Simeon. And then a lady, Anna, and they're both saying, this son, he's something special. This boy is something really special. He's going to do amazing things. My eyes have seen the salvation of our Lord, is what Simeon says. Um, It says Mary treasures these things in her heart. Um, I've put treasures and pain because actually alongside the prophecy saying he's going to save the world, there's also the line, a sword will pierce your heart. Um, And when the wise men turn up with their gifts, they bring something gold for a king. 
They bring incense for a priest and they bring myrrh for a burial. And actually there's something in there that Mary is going to be, while she's recognizing that God has an amazing plan for this child, she's also recognizing there's some pain in there. And she, she holds it in her heart. That's a, just, a, I don't know, again, it's just a weird, a weird thing. Um, and then they run away to Egypt. And that's a, that's a horrible, painful place to be with a tiny child running to save the life of that child because the king wants to murder every child under two. They're basically, they're escaping genocide. That's what's happening. They're refugees. There's some real pain that Mary goes through when, let's face it, she's probably not 16 yet. And she's running to save the life of her only child, who happens also, weirdly, to be the son of God. Um, Parenting. This is that big gap between Jesus being about a few months old and then Jesus turning up at 30 is... Um, The mother in Jewish culture, one of the words for her is the mainstay. She's there. She kind of keeps the household running. That was Mary's job. That's what she did. Mary did the pat lunches and the grazed knees and the wakeful nights and the spelling tests. And she taught the stories and the traditions. Um, She taught about the feasts and about the scriptures. She did that? Yeah, Jesus had school and he had teachers and he learned to be a carpenter. But Mary was there just being a mum. And as someone who currently, that's my full-time job, I'm a mum, um, I can relate a little bit to all that she did then. Um, I love that. Mary had other children after she had Jesus So she's not just bringing up one child, she's bringing up an entire family. Um, And she's doing it alongside all the other mums in their village, under Roman occupation, in a crazy political environment. And can anyone relate? Maybe. Plus, she's living under this idea that maybe everyone else in the town doesn't fully understand who Jesus is or who she is or what any of it's about. Um, We're going to look at one more little thing before we finish. Um, Is just Mary walking alongside Jesus in his ministry. And now she only pops up once or twice in the Gospels after Jesus is born. Um, One of them is the wedding at Cana where she's the one. She's the one that says, Jesus, go on, you could go and... Could you help with that? I don't know how pushy she was. Um, but she's, she gets a mention. So she's definitely there. Um, and she believes in him. Those things she's treasured up, she believes in him. Um, and then she's there and she follows and she supports. She's there. We read about it in Mark 3. I, my guess is she was probably there quite a lot of the time, actually. She was probably there traveling with him and his disciples. Um, we know she's there at the crucifixion. And we know that she mourns for her son. But 
What I love is that she's also there in the upper room. Because those things she treasured in her heart, she didn't let go of those when Jesus was gone. She's there in the upper room because she knows that there is more to come. I just think that's amazing. There's, this is what Elizabeth, her wing woman, says to her. Blessed is she who has believed that the Lord would fulfill his promises to her. Now, a 14, 15-year-old Mary hears this. But we see her in the upper room 30-something years later, having held on to those promises And I wanted to leave us with this, this picture of Mary who has had a pretty crazy life in some ways, but she has held on to the promises. She has believed that the Lord will fulfill them. And most of us in this room, hopefully all of us, in this room, have promises that God has spoken over us. In fact, we all do because the Bible is full of them. Okay, God said and promised that he has a good plan for your life, a good and perfect plan that will be um, pleasing to him and will bring you a hope and a future. Okay, so that's a good one to start with. But actually, lots of us have got promises that we're holding on to And blessed is she or he who has believed that the Lord would fulfill his promises. Mary doesn't have to do anything except for believe. She doesn't have to make those promises happen. She just has to believe. Um, Let's stand. I want to pray for you. Oh, yeah, we can have some music. Okay, let's just take a moment to be quiet. Just just listen to the Holy Spirit. And if